Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm your host, Cesar Hernandez, and today we're going to discuss the Liga Mekis weekend. We're talking about the Mexicans abroad, L3, and much, much, much more. But before we get into that, let me introduce tonight's guest. Over in Guadalajara, we have Tom Marshall. Tom, how are you doing after your recent trip to Toronto? Yeah, good. Yeah, good little trip up there to watch the uh, the big one, as, as they like to call it. You know, forget the Champions League, forget the best. I was at the Campeones Cup. So, you know, I'm sure that people will be jealous. Same, so, yeah. same exact thing. Same so exact thing. Basically, I'm still on a high from that. <laughs> and then we, in Mexico City, we have Adriana Terrazas. Adriana, are you still on a high from the Campeones Cup? Or do you think maybe you'd prefer if we d- discuss some other things today on the Mexican Soccer Show? I, I just can't top um, what Tom said. He, yeah, it's unbeatable. Um, I'm in a city that has a pitch that is not perfect after three months or something. So it's, it's not even worth mentioning. So, yeah, we envy Tom. <laughs> All right, well... Well, let, let's let's kick things off with tonight's big question, and it's this. As of right now, whom do you have as a favorite to win the Liga MX title? Adriana, your thoughts? Oh, my God, that is so hard after this weekend. This was like the worst weekend ever. By the way, <laughs> kudos to the fans for beating us in, 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 in the Quiniela. Yeah. Um, and, and I really, honestly... No, I mean, Cruz Azul would be the obvious choice, but it's Cruz Azul, so we need like a backup plan just in case, you know, because that always happens. <laughs> um, I'm thinking maybe somewhere, maybe Santos might do it again. I don't know. No. I, I, I think they've been kind of kind of regular, except this weekend. I mean, they tied against Veracruz, so who knows where that came from? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing somewhere it might stay in the north, but I don't. I don't think it will be anyone in Monterrey. That, that's a good idea. Um, okay. I don't think it'll come from Monterrey this time. I like the answer of yeah, you saying Santos. Mm. Yeah, Santos, I like. Right. Tom, who, who, who do you think? Um, well, I'm pretty boring with these things because I say this. I said the same thing for like four years or five years or something. <laughs> it's always Tigres. Yeah. It's always Tigres. As long as they're in the playoffs, they're the team that for me is the favorite because they're the best team, the team who knows how to win the championship. Um, yeah, and, and they've got a massive squad. So they've... What, what that gives you, I think, the big squad with such quality is that, you know, even if some players aren't on form, you've got you've got full South American internationals that just come in. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I just think that's such a massive advantage over the rest of the clubs. So, um, and, and I think, you know, I know we'll get into it, but I think over the weekend, you know, I think there was an emotional aspect, obviously, with the violence before the classical Regio. And I think also that they were tired. I thought the second half and they were chasing the game. Um Monterrey for me were there, there for the taking, and Tigres didn't. I don't know. They looked tired. They looked drained from that trip to to Toronto. So, um, so yeah, Tigres for me. But I've got I've got kind of my my ranking, and I've got America in second, uh, Toluca third, Cruz Azul fourth, Santos fifth, Monterrey, Pachuca, and then Tijuana, Nacaxa, Querétaro, Morelia, and then I just. Well, I suppose Chivas should be around there as well, no? Yeah, I put Chivas in the eighth and ninth as well. <laughs> I forgot about Chivas. I, I'm just uh, worried. You have, you have Querétaro over Monarcas. That's the that's important yeah. choice. I have no yeah, favorite. I wasn't really thinking. I mean, I did the main, the top ones, and I was like, yeah, I'll just, you know, yeah. throw a few other names down. But, no, yeah, I mean, the top ones, I don't know. I think it's going to be quite exciting, though, because, you know, I think there's Cruz Azul obviously been dominated, but it's such a storyline. 
You know, it's such a storyline. Can they do it? Can they do it? And yet I think you've got a few of the other teams, you know, especially Tigres, America, um, Doluca, uh, who were, you know, who were, who were doing okay, you know, and that could definitely, they could easily, any one of those easily win a title. Um, I mean, it's what, if it's one of those against Cruz at all in the final, then, you know, <laughs> you'd, I don't know, it'd be difficult to say Cruz Azul would win. I, I do think Cruz Azul as well haven't been as good as, you know, the points total suggests. Um, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, I think they've been, you know, you know, really improved. I think that Caixinha has established an identity with the way that they play. Um, you know, but... and they deserve to be doing well, but it's not, it's not, I don't think they've as, been as dominant as the, the table would seem to, such a, to suggest. Well, that brings us to uh, some of the fan uh, answers. Oh, right. Sorry. Some of the fan answers. So we have Jaime Osorio at Jaime Futmax, who says, real question is, does anyone really believe Cruz Azul can actually pull it off this time? Uh, Francisco Zanteno says, Toluca. At Carlos Fugazi says, Atlas in 2051, though. (laughs) And he says, I'm an Atlas (laughs) fan, so I'm owning myself. Uh, Someone else is saying, Toluca on the YouTube chat. Luis Martinez is saying, Club America. Uh, Adrian Ordonia says, I don't know what the question is, but it's Chivas. Oh, okay, I see the question now. Yeah, it's, it's Chivas. Uh, Ed, Edwin Garcia Music says, Pumas, because that's my team. Uh, for me, I'm going with the boring answer. I'm sticking with Tigres, too. I think they, I mean, they haven't been doing the best in the attack, but I think defensively, they're still pretty solid. And, I mean, once the playoffs start, they're going to step up. That's just that's just the way Tigres have been recently. So I, I think it's going to be Tigres. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Cesar, I know you've talked to, uh, quite a bit about, you know, Tijuana as well, and you look at their defence and you think it's not going to be an easy team to beat. You know, there, yeah. there could be a couple of outsiders and maybe Monterrey. Oh, but I they're mean, not title favourites, so Tijuana, they're, yeah. not, they're not title favourites. Come on. But Monterrey as well. I mean, you look at how they defended against, against Tigres and they were pretty impressive. You know, the way they, they stopped Tigres getting the ball to Gignac, the way they stopped them creating really big chances was was impressive. And, and you know, with all the injuries they've got, if they can get Hurtado back, um, you know, and, and in form, and Pabon, and then Funes Mori's back, then all of a sudden it makes sense. Um, and you, we could see Monterrey make a charge as well. So, yeah, yeah early days, early days. Yeah, early to- day. uh, so we let's dive into Liga Mackey's weekend. And unfortunately, we have to... And if we're discussing Liga Mekis weekend, we have to discuss the violence in the Glasgow Regio. I mean, before Sunday's rivalry game, Monterrey and Tigres fans clashed a few miles outside the match, uh, leaving one in critical condition. I'm sure we've all unfortunately seen the videos online and videos of the awful event, which could have... I mean, ever Tom sending a message to me, too, and he was saying it could have been much, much worse. But, I mean, Tom, I think you wrote a piece about it recently for ESPN. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, I mean, that unfortunate situation, because we should be talking about soccer, but we're not. We Unfortunately, we have to go over this. And what could be done in light of these events? I don't, I don't know. That's the that's the difficult one. You know, what do you do? That's the that's the really difficult one, because um, it's like Tigres and the Liga MX seem to just kind of not want to take any responsibility. And, you know, I think like I wrote in a strict legal point of sense, you know, this is an event that happened between citizens civilians you know what was it seven kilometers five miles four miles whatever out from the stadium um so and i think enrique bonilla the league of president called them kind of gang members wearing the, our shirts wearing the sh- these team shirts so, so it's a difficult one but 
you know, like you said there, if that car that was driving around had actually run over people, then we could be talking about a lot, you know, a lot bigger kind of injury list there. So I know that's that's the scary thing. And I think that it's not the first time this this season. I think I was counting, um, I think it's five, on five separate occasions this season in Liga MX, there have been headlines in Mexico saying violence at this game, violence at that game. You know, there was reports of a shooting outside Celaya against Atletico San Luis. The authorities denied it, but I'm not an expert in what gunshots sound like, but it, it kind of sounded like gunshot, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so it's, it's a massive issue. It's a really sad. I think the other the other thing is that we, we, we talk a lot on this show about, you know, the internet isolation of the league and, you know, how how it can you know, be popular outside of Mexico and attract new followers and um, things like this kind of taint it. I mean, it's not just in terms of followers and stuff. It's in terms of bringing players, stuff like that. In terms of if you want to attract quality players, this isn't the kind of thing you need. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I think. But at the end of the day, it it reflects the society. I mean, you know, this wasn't the biggest story in Mexico this weekend. I mean, there was a a headline that went out about um, children's remains being found in a mass grave. And that even wasn't the biggest story. You know what I mean? You type in you, the, mu- the news that happened yesterday in Mexico. There's so much stuff going on that um, that it's just it's just sad. And it's you know this this kind of violence reflects the it's impunity as well because people can get away with with violence. And I think that that kind of it, it doesn't. There's no deterrent to it if you know what I mean. So yeah. yeah, I mean obviously we hope that you know those who were committing crimes were brought to justice basically i mean that's all you can really ask and that the, the, there's a real campaign now from you know football to i don't know to kind of make these stadiums kind of safe haven make the sport mexico's number one sport a kind of example about of how you know rival fans can live together can go to the stadium because uh, i know i'm rambling now but one of the one of the nicest things about mexican football for somebody coming at it from outside and especially from a european or south american perspective is that uh, fans go together so you can get girlfriend and boyfriend, a Chivas and Atlas fan or Monterrey and Tigres fan walking together to the stadium, you know, holding hands or whatever. And, you know, you just, <laughs> I mean, that's unthinkable in a Boca River. You know, that's unthinkable in a Manchester United, Manchester City. Um, and it's one of the really nice things about Mexican football. So, I don't know, I guess I guess the question is, you know, how, how do you find that, that balance now between like really upping the security and and kind of not losing that that you know the 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 thing that Mexican football has of 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 you know not fans not being segregated basically yeah. and that's unfortunate because I remember talking to Amy about this yesterday that, you know I feel like I spend so much time defending Liga Mexico and defending Mexico too as a Mexican American but then you see things like that and it's just I know it's it's just really really unfortunate to see and Adriana I mean let's hear your thoughts on this uh, your thoughts of situation maybe even your thoughts regarding the stadium, too, because this is one that's going to be hosting a Mexico-friendly next month. I know the incident was a few miles away, but I think that's something that people are going to be discussing during the next several weeks. Yeah, there was definitely lots of people saying that um, one of the first things that the league should say would be to remove that game from from the Tigres Stadium. Legally, the Liga MX is only responsible for what happens five kilometers away from the from the stadium. But still, I think it was kind of cowardly just to say we're going to just support authorities and that's just just about it. I thought the league had to take a more decisive approach. Um, obviously, it's difficult to do something now after it happened, but I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, some kind of register where you could see all the fans, all, all the barras that they're called here in Mexico. 
um, something where, where clubs can have a certain control over these fans that it, Tom says it, it correctly. This happens all the time. This, it's just, it just became bigger this weekend because social media made it that way. But it happens all the time. You go to Azteca Stadium, and it doesn't even have to be like an, an America Pumas game, which is obviously high rivalry. But you'll get some bus- buses come into the Estado Azteca, and they'll throw rocks at them. You'll have fans um, like fighting against each other. Obviously, not as violent as what happened in, in Monterrey with this fan being stabbed in, in like in the ribs with a with a I think it was a glass bottle. Um, but still, I think clubs could take a more decisive approach to try to avoid this in other games and just keep it friendly, like what, what Tom was saying. It's something that makes Mexican soccer unique. And I was just, um, I really regret the Liga Mex just saying, we, we ask authorities to do their job. And I was like, yeah, I know legally you're not, you're not obligated to do anything because it's out of your territory. But still, I would have liked for them to talk to the players and, I don't know, hold hands at the end of the game, try to make a speech to calm fans down. Um, I don't know. Just keep it like a like a friendly atmosphere. I think they could have done way more than just saying we're going to collaborate with the authorities. Yeah, I mean, Tom, I think that's a it's a bigger question too. There, I mean, Adrian brought up, but do you think either team or the league is really stepping much up, uh, stepping up as much as they should um, through this event? Oh, Tom, I think you're muted. I can't hear you. Oh, no, there we go. I think um, I think it's a recurring theme that it's not just this one topic. I just don't. I think people involved in Mexican football aren't very good at, at public relations. You know, the <laughs> crisis event happens and they don't know how to deal with it. You know, there's, there's ways of doing it. And the first thing that Tigres should have said, um, it doesn't matter if it's a Tigres or Monterrey fan, but the first thing you have to say is thoughts with the family of <laughs> the, the victim here, who's who's been the subject of, of violence and you know. I mean, it took them a long time to send out any message. You know, even on the TV on the TV in Mexico, the carrier, they didn't mention the violence all game. And I was there thinking, what? I mean, obviously, they've got reasons for their own reasons for not doing that. But I'm thinking, how can you not contextualize what's going on before this game if you're actually, you know, narrating a game? It was all it was all very weird. But um, but yeah, no, they could do a lot more. But it's, it goes back to the, the PR thing. They're not very good at, at controlling a situation, getting on top of a situation. It doesn't matter if it's the violence. It doesn't matter if, if it's the party before the national team flies to Europe. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they were just they were just chasing that story. They were so far behind. Instead of kind of... It took a couple of weeks before Chicharito came out, remember, and, and gave his Facebook Live and stuff. And I don't know. That's how I see it. I just don't think... I don't think they're very good at PR. I don't think they... You know, I think... It's a missed opportunity, and I say that you know not in a nice way, but it's a missed opportunity to give an absolute statement that this is not allowed. You know that this is an absolutely you know there's absolutely no place for it, and that and that I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, it's just it is what it is. It's and, it's the scared, it's the scared, scared of saying the wrong thing. That's what it is for me. Yeah. And and it's not been the first time in the season. We had the Salaya incident where the authorities said we, they thought they were firecrackers. For God's sake, people, we know what gunshots sound like. I mean, yeah. um, you had that incident and you had the police just like you could see them holding their guns. I mean, it was just obvious. You, there was an incident. I think it was also with Tigres fans in Veracruz. There was one in Querétaro where they actually like took like the seats off of, off of the stadium and just threw them onto the ground. Um, I remember it was probably a couple of weeks ago in an America game, and it happened as well with like people throwing rocks at the, at the buses. This is a common thing. The thing is, it's it was a Clásico this time. It's Monterrey, and it got on social media. But how many things probably happen every weekend, and we just can't tell because no one was there to record it and to tweet it. 
So yeah. I, I really worry that the, 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 not only the authorities, but maybe Liga MX isn't taking things into consideration and saying, hey, we really have to stop this before it becomes an even bigger problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have America Pumas, which just barely, like America had to make it to the Estadio Olimpico Universitario in like little vans. They couldn't make it with a bus, with a team bus, because they would get thrown, like rocks thrown at them as well. And they couldn't even leave. Sometimes the, the America coach wouldn't even give a press conference because he had to leave so quickly to avoid meeting Pumas fans outside of the stadium. Players wouldn't even take a shower because they had to leave that fast. I think that has improved slightly, but still not enough for everyone to actually feel safe at the stadium. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, they talk about like Estadio Caliente being a little bit more of like an Americanized stadium and that you see like a lot of American fans, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you you still see some pretty bad stuff outside of of the Cholos games too. And I mean, earlier this year, I I walk past... uh, there was a fight. Uh, it was, uh, I think it was when Pumas came to town. And unfortunately, one of the Pumas fans got knocked out. They had to call the ambulance. There was another Pumas fan that was knocked out, too. I mean, it's just, it's it, it's unfortunate. I'm not going to say it's commonplace, but it's just, I don't yeah. know. It, it's just unfortunate. You see these things semi-regularly. Maybe not nearly as bad as what we saw yesterday, but these things do happen in Mexican soccer. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the other question is, what what is the role of the, uh, the Porras? I mean... At what stage do you say this? You know these can't exist because it's basically most of the time those guys doing it. But again, mm-hmm. it's like they're also the ones that a lot of the time bring the atmosphere. There are a lot of these kids who who, who travel around with Mexican clubs, and it's like it's it's there is such an integral part of the life. You know that it's also kind of you don't want to criminalize them. It's it's a yeah. really tricky one. But there are some of them that are just completely out of control. You know, and, and I think that's that's got to be another question. I mean, you know, Chivas previously, and, you know, to be fair, it's it's not that often that, that you see Chivas fans, especially in Guadalajara, because they've got a lot of fans in Mexico City who travel to Puebla, Toluca, and, and they tend to cause a bit more trouble. I mean, but we know, we know which, which ones are causing trouble. Even we know. I mean, yeah. you know, so so it's like yeah. you, re- you register the members of these porras like Chivas have done. I mean, you know, Santos Laguna, I remember an incident, I think, last year, but in general... Santos modern stadium, they, they've got it all on lockdown. They've got the cameras, you know, Chivas, they've got it on lockdown. They know how to do it. You go to the Estadio Jalisco, and, and even I, I'm not a police es- expert, and I'm like, this is this is just potentially a nightmare. This, you know, yeah. you can just tell, you can just see what's going on. And I've been in there where you see it's overcrowded, they've oversold the, sold the tickets. You go outside, and it's just mayhem. Um, you know, so. I don't know. You basically, there's not one thing that you can click your fingers and say, this is what needs to happen. It's, there's a series of things over a large period of time, a lot of them that cost money and take effort and take resources that need to happen. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, the Monterrey and Tigres fans, basically it was a, they accidentally met on, you know, on the way to the stadium, but a long way outside. I mean, the, the policing, that can't allow that to happen. If you're going to allow those guys into the stadium, then that can't happen, you know? Yeah. So once again, I mean, it, it is unfortunate scenes. We do have to talk about the actual soccer. I mean, but then again, how much soccer is there really to talk about from that Glasgow Regio? I mean, Adriana, I mean, well, it was zero zero draw, only three shots on target. I mean, anything to add about the actual match itself? I know it feels strange and kind of weird to be talking about that after what we saw <laughs> yesterday. But uh, I mean, thought, thoughts on the actual Glasgow Regio? It was just as sad as what happened outside the stadium. I think it's probably one of the worst Clásico Regios I've seen in a very long time. Um, I do think, um, I was when we were talking about last week about the the Campeones Cup being on the same weekend, on the same week, 
as a classical regio, we just immediately thought, who who organized this? You, you knew for a fact that you had to change that game. Tigres, I think, responsibly didn't let go of the Campeones Cup, no matter what. If, if it was the first time it was against Toronto, um, they, they knew they had to win that cup before Liga Mex Pride, I guess. But having it on the same week as the Clásico Regio, I think, was a huge mistake. And you could just tell, as Tom said earlier, that um, they were tired. It, they were just, I think, at, in the end, just trying to avoid Monterrey getting the win from from, from the Universitario. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, switching gears to the other League of Equis games, Tom, Cruz Azul 2, Atlas 0. I mean, it's got to be the least surprising result of the weekend, right? And for number one, Cruz Azul against, I mean, an Atlas that only has one goal so far this season. Yep. Yeah. Quick on the classical record, I would say that it was quite a good point for Monterrey. Yeah. You know, I think it's worth yeah. pointing out that given, you know, um, the um, thingy uh, Basanta went off early, given Orreta Vizcaya's out, given Aviles Hurtado's out. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some out here as well. I mean, they've had so many injury problems in games. It happened the, the other week too. It's yeah, crazy. Pizarro played the first half injured and then went off. I mean, they've, they've done that was a good point. So I think that's worth worth mentioning. And and yeah, with Cruz Azul, I mean, yeah, it's just ex, you expect it. I mean, more than anything, I think more than Cruz Azul, it's just you. you I don't know. You kind of think Atlas can't be that bad. You know, they can't be back that bad. <laughs> you know, sometimes you look at the stats and you think. You've not been absolutely dominated again. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like they they might lose, but they'll get us they'll get us goal this time. Oh no, they didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, t- I talked I talked to an Atlas fan. He told me that yeah, there's a lot of low quality shots, but he genuinely believes Atlas have a little bit of bad luck when it comes to their finishing, when it comes to their opportunities in a final third. And yeah, that they've been terrible, that they deserve to be in last place, but that is like he feels like they they are a little bit unlucky in the final third. Well. I mean, I, I think this was actually the game that that least made them justice. I actually think Atlas wasn't as bad as I mean, if we only saw the two zero, it'd be like, oh, okay. But then if you think about the entire season, I, they really weren't as bad as the two zero things. I, I think they yeah. could have gotten a no, score at least. But even even like the three nil, I think the second game of the season against Pumas. I mean, they had a red card that was debatable, mm-hmm. and you know, Pumas scored with like their only three chances, and Atlas basically <laughs> were the better team. I mean, and they lost three <laughs> nil. You know, you know, when you look at the game against Cruz Azul, they had. You know, more shots than Cruz Azul, more shots on target. Yeah. I mean, some, I don't know. I'm not saying they deserve to win either, but um, they, they're not getting any luck. But I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the the difference in 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 a lot of ways, um, or one of the differences. Who, who scored for Cruz Azul? Caraglio, and then you yeah, Andrete. Andrete. Yeah. Yeah. And, where, yeah. and where was he playing last season and doing? You know, yeah. Yeah. doing well for well Atlas. I mean, if Atlas are going to sell someone like Caraglio. Um, I mean, for me, that's a that was a huge mistake. That that guy, <laughs> especially when you watch him live as well, he's like he he works so so hard. He does the he does the you know the stuff that it's not it's not like a player that's going to catch the eye a lot, but he does like the dirty work really really well, um, and he allows others to play off him. And I think you know Atlas just they've, they've missed him, and, <laughs> and they've kind of tried to you know obviously they're trying to balance the books and stuff and. You know, they've got in Octavio Rivero, and it's, it's just not worked out. I mean, it's just yeah. Atlas. You've got to respect them to to a degree for this kind of policy. You know, this is it's by far the youngest team in the league. Yeah. Um, policy of bringing through the young players. you got to, you know, a lot of the time it's those guys in the media who are criticizing Mexican teams for, for not doing what Atlas had tried to do. But it's just, you put so much, there's so much reliance on the established foreign players who are, who are coming in. You know, being good, 
I mean, they have to they have to be good. Um, and you know, especially when when you're trying to, especially the number nine in a way, because they're kind of gluing together the attack, and that's been a massive, massive problem for for Atlas this season. It's kind of funny. I was talking to my buddy Francisco over from the Sholos podcast, and we're like, hey, "What? What do Atlas need?" And we're like, "Oh, you know what? They need like a..." And like, we weren't even like try, trying to make a joke. We're like, "Oh, they need a striker like Caraglio, don't they?" We're like, "Wait, wait, wait a second!" Like, <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, America's three to two win over Puebla. I mean, that's that's standard America, right? Earn a red and then still somehow find a win afterwards. I mean, it was a dramatic ending and America now have 20 points so far this season. Yeah, they're just like following up on Cruz Azul. I, I can't wait for that America Cruz Azul match. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Puebla, I think has been struggling. I thought they started off a, a lot stronger this season with Enrique Mesa's all, all his experience. And then you have um, several interesting players. You've got Acuna, you've got um, Chumacero, who, who we kindly say is Chumasteiger. <laughs> Chumasteiger. Um, yeah. Bolivian Schweinsteiger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think... Um, I, I think Puebla has kind of hit like a like a low point in the season. I think they were doing pretty well at the beginning. And America just proves that they have the squad to actually make it to the Liguilla, make trouble for anyone that they find on their way. Um, Diego Lainez was off, and he won't be available for the Cup game this week. He might be available for, for America Chivas. That will be interesting to see all the young players facing each other. And, yeah, I, I think um, I think we're all just glad to see America scoring, like, despite we had Oribe Peralta going into, like, a, like a scoreless streak a while ago, and now he, we see him again. So, yeah, I think America, just being America, showing that they have the squad to make it through despite all the referee problems in the middle. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got a few more games to go through, so let's, let's, let's move on. Tom, I'll go to you on this one. Toluca 3, Necaxa 2. For me, I mean, the talking point, goal and assist for Alexis Vega. I mean, he still has plenty to prove, but that's got to be excellent news for Mexico fans who are watching and waiting for the next Mexican striker <laughs> to step up, right? I, I don't get Alexis Vega still has so much to prove, but I mean, that's that's excellent to see, right? No, for sure. And I mean, he's a player who's, who's you know, it's not the first time that, that I think we've seen his potential. Um, um, and I think that, I think he, he needs to, he's, he needs to nail down his position a little bit because he's played on the wing, he's played up front, you know? Um, and, and I tell you what, you got to give you got to give Toluca a lot of credit as well because they sold um, Uribe, no? Mm-hmm. Was it, it was Uribe, no? I think it was Uribe, yeah. To uh, to a Brazilian club, and and you know, and they did that with with Vega in mind. I mean, so they've opened that that kind of spot within the squad for him. So, you know, yeah, fair play to him. And to be honest, I was a little bit surprised um, he wasn't in the Mexico squad. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. instead of instead of Pulido, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is he's twenty years old. You know, the next game he plays is 50th in Liga MX. I mean, this, those 50 games are just so vital for yeah. these players, and, and we we're not we don't see enough Mexican players getting to that 50 mark because you need those 50 games really just to just to establish yourself, just to know what it's all about. The traveling, the the playing against players who are actual you know big big guys, experienced guys. I mean, it's not it's not easy. Um, and so yeah, I think Vega is a is a really exciting talent for Mexico. Yeah. Adriana, I'm going to go to you on this one now. Chivas with a one-to-one draw against Guerrero. I don't know if you saw or if you remember either the penalties. I don't know if did you, did you get a chance to see them, but were either of them deserved? Um, I'm still questioning the one for Chivas, um, especially after the referee annulled. Uh, I think it was it wasn't Pulido's goal. I, there was a goal there by Chivas that was just. Um, 
they said it was offside. I don't yeah, think it was. Yeah, yeah. So I think that kind of set off the game a little bit in the in, in for the rest of the game. But I think Chivas's uh, penalty was kind. I I I don't really think it was a penalty kick. Uh, yeah, for Chivas. Yeah, I don't think either of them. I mean, I guess to be fair, I guess I didn't think either of them were penalties. So it could have just ended and <laughs> a, a zero, a zero zero draw there. As yeah, if, it could uh, have been a zero zero. Yeah. I think they're kind of strict. I mean, I I get what the referee was calling, but uh, I I don't know. I, I sometimes I just think they're too strict whenever they see a foul in the penalty box. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to give a bit of credit to Caretero. I mean, I thought they were. I mean, I don't think they should have got anything from that game, to be quite honest. <laughs> but at least in the second half, they they managed to like have some shots in the in the first half. They had zero shots, absolutely zero. Mm-hmm. If you look at the average positions of the 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 defense, they were just sat back so deep. I mean. You know, if you want to put a positive spin on it, I mean, Rafa Puente, when he was at Lobos Wap, he was just known for this gung-ho kind of style. And you've almost seen his development this season because he's now got a team and he's got a a mentality that he can kind of, okay, we'll go up against Chivas. We know what Chivas is going to do. Let's kind of sit back. Let's, you know, soak up a bit of pressure and and not be too worried about that and and pick our moment to, you know, to to go forward, to, to be a bit more bold. So, um, so yeah, and, and you know they're in the playoff places. I mean, if you look at if you look through Caretero's team, there's a lot of team. There's a lot of quite a few players anyway. You kind of haven't really done it. Other clubs, you know, maybe struggled a little bit, um, but are now kind of at the heart. You know, at the playing week in week out, and and in a team that you wouldn't have predicted that would make the playoffs, but is you know he's right up there right now. Yeah, I still think they they have to rely on San Vessel and Volpi. And I yeah. still think they're going to have to continue doing that going forward. But they are obviously a team to keep an eye on. And like you mentioned, they're, they're in eighth place right now. They're in a playoff position. A lot of teams would really wish that they're in their position with 15 points and a positive goal differential. So obviously the uh, team to keep an eye on, obviously keep an eye on someone like Marcel Ruiz, um, 17 years old. He, I think he turned, yeah, I 17. think he's 17 years old who could be a future option there for Mexico going forward. Still has a lot to prove, but I've been pretty I'm impressed really by him. Like- I really, um, I think he's got a poise about him. I think the way he picks passes is, you know, it shows shows a lot of maturity in his play. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, he's not looked kind of out of place even as a seventeen year old in in League MX. Um, yeah, just done just done Chivas quickly. I mean, I think they should have won the game. I mean, I think yeah. <laughs> also after the game was kind of rightly very disappointed that they didn't win. I mean, they they dominated the game and um, and yeah. You know, hopefully, from the Chivas' perspective, that that Pulido goal, all right, from from the penalty spot. But you know, I think I said right at the start of the season. I mean, you looked at the changes and the and the and the players that had left Chivas, and I just I just thought it was so important for the the big players really stepped up. Like the the, the, the you know they, they needed to have big seasons, and Pulido I think was probably was probably top of that list. Um, and so far, it's you know. It's not been great, and I think he's seen a psychologist within the club or a mental coach. So he's been he's been left Mm -hmm. on the bench. I mean, you know, this is a guy that the 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 national team still like him. I mean, you know, I know for a fact that. I mean, what other what other options do we have, Tom? Uh, (laughs) After after, like after Chicharito and Jimenez, I don't. Yeah, I'd like him too because I'm just like, well, Riva just retired, so I guess we're calling you up, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I think the, the the other one that I think is going to be an option. Is Madrigal? 
Uh, Monterrey. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think he's, he might be the new Aldo Rodriguez. <laughs> 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 you know, the, you know, just to throw one at the end if you need a bit of a different option and stuff. Because he's huge, isn't he? That guy's that guy's legitimately like tall and like built. Um, but yeah, I mean, Saldivar. I don't know. I mean, if you take away the goals he scores from the penalty spot, he doesn't really score many goals. It could yeah. be, it could be Henry Maratine too. As funny as that seems, <laughs> honestly, I mean, like because yeah. because I, yeah. I wrote about it for you, been there. I think there's a lot of young Mexican strikers that I'm like excited about, but like 80 percent of them aren't getting minutes in the first division. They're playing in the second division, or they're just not really getting that many opportunities for their teams. So, like, if if I if I, and I'm talking about like a Roberto de la Rosa. I'm talking about a, maybe even a broad, I think he still has a lot more to prove, but like a Jao Malek. Uh, I think the, the, the Rafael Duran, the guy from Tigres, like I'm excited about those guys, but I'm not sure it's going to happen a couple of years from now. And that maybe a couple of years from now, it's going to be a Henry Martin, a Madrigal, a Zaldivar, or even Bolido that Mexico is going to have to rely on going forward. Or even, I mean, even, it's a funny thing, if Gubal Torres has suddenly scores like a few goals for Cholos, he's going to be in the conversation yeah. somehow too. It's, <laughs> we really need people to we're, step we're up. We're desperate. There. Yeah, we're de- yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's, not it's, it's, it, it's not great, is it? Because, I mean, someone like Henry Martin, I think, is a, is a good player, but I don't, I just don't see him as an international, you know? But, I mean, yeah. I could probably. Yeah. When I say an international, I don't mean he's, you know he, he can't go to the Gold Cup and do well. You know, I'm talking a player who can, you know, not just not just for the national team, but at club level can can move to a, a bigger league and and a bigger club. Um, and I don't know when I'm looking at these younger players, I'm seeing which one, or I'm thinking which ones could make that jump. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I think that's why that's why someone like Vega, I'm you know a big fan of. I think I think he's yeah. he's got he's got big. He's a big prospect, um, yeah. and and like I said earlier, I mean it's great that Toluca actually, you know, Toluca side that you know we've not traditionally seen them promote many new new players. I mean, Guero Real, you know, he, he's been doing a lot of work behind the scenes at Toluca, and um, you know, I think in a few years they might promote a few few more younger players. But but right now, I mean, Vegas just just the leading light. Um, in terms of not just Toluca, but the whole of Mexico, I think, in terms of a, of a striker. But um, the kid, who's the kid in um, in the second division, Aguirre, as well. Lalo Aguirre, Lalo Aguirre. Yeah, you can also, I guess, if you're, if you're talking about second division too, even like a Ronaldo Cisneros uh, to keep an eye on. Maybe there's potential right there too. I prefer, yeah, prefer Lalo Aguirre. Yeah, Cisneros. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing, the thing, Macias, Godinez, yeah. The thing about um, Ronaldo Cisneros is, you know, he made that move from Santos to Chivas. Chivas need a striker, and they've loaned him out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, there's something that just. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, also he, yeah. also he didn't score seven goals or whatever in the Toulon tournament. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't throw seven goals in Toulon. Forget it. <laughs> All right, so look, looking back, just the league of Mackey's weekend in general, Adriana, any other things uh, you think that we should bring up? Any other noteworthy moments from the league of Mackey's weekend? I know there are a few other results, but nothing really that stands out to me. Um, I mean, I guess yeah. you, get to- you know what the funny thing is? I was um, looking at the Toluca Necaxa game, and Hernan Cristante was suspended. He suspended for two games, and then today he got another suspension. So he got a suspension on a suspension because he was yelling to the referee from like. Um, he's 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 a bit mad, mad isn't he? I feel like nobody <laughs> else about it, but he, he is was pretty such mad. a disciplined player. 
Yeah, this is like like the alter ego of Hernan Cristante. I don't know. It's like Dr. <laughs> Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Something happened. I mean, that's who gets a suspension while being suspended? I've never seen that before. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Well, yeah, um, I think we have to mention that the Monarcas Pumas match was um, called off at like yeah. eight, the 83rd minute or something. They just couldn't keep on playing, which was yeah, totally ridiculous. It was raining like hell over there in, Mon- in Morelia. And the same thing happened in Leon the day afterwards. They had to stop the game for a while, and then you had all these workers trying to find the most creative way of getting all that water away from the pitch. Yeah, I saw, they had the, they, there's like the three guys who had like the giant tube. Yeah. We're like, we're doing this. We're going to just like. And then one of them actually tube. like slipped and fell. It was like an America's Funniest Home Videos moment. <laughs> um, so yeah, after that, that pause, Lobos got the win, which was kind of amazing. And I think it's, it's good for Paco Palencia because despite how poorly the team has done, I just don't think they'll fire him any, any minute now. Cause let's just face it. They don't have the money to fire one coach and bring in another. So, um, so yeah, valuable win I think for Lobos, despite all that um, frenzy with the with the rain. And um, Monarcas Pumas was just disappointing to see the game end at the 82nd minute. Yeah. Then also, uh, let's see, Tijuana got a one nothing win over Pachuca. Pachuca getting uh, two reds right there, so it wasn't exactly the most impressive result from them there. And then Santos uh, just kind of wrap things up with the the last leg of Mekis game we haven't talked about. So Santos with the one to one draw against uh, Veracruz. Uh, Tom, let's uh, let's switch gears. and uh, Actually, oh, before we switch gears, a uh, quick shout-out uh, to Amy Lopez, not only creates a rundown for the show, but also runs the weekly Liga Mekis predictions. And a shout-out to all the listeners who are currently in for- first place. Uh, keep it on the Mexican Soccer Show Twitter, usually like Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, Amy sends out a tweet for you guys to send your predictions, but I'm I'm close. I'm only Adrian are like tied in second. We're only one spot behind the <laughs> listeners. Tom, I, I I can't even. I don't even know what Tom. I don't even know how many points you have at this point. <laughs> no, let's talk about it. Still facing relegation. Yeah, it's a, if there is relegation, so there's a second division, and if that second division podcast, if they're if they. If, if they don't have the proper attendance or whatever at their whatever, you know, yeah, I, I, it's a terrible joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So once again, shout out to Avi. Shout out to all the listeners uh, who are still in first place for now. For now, we still have we still have time. Season isn't over yet. Uh, so let's let's dive into Al Tri. Uh, last week, the FMF president Yonde Luisa stated that the federation has chatted slash interviewed twenty four candidates for the job that's right just as many hours as there is in the day that's how many candidates Can we actually name 24 candidates I you know mean, actually i pitched that idea to, to one of my to one of my editors and they weren't down with the idea um actually i actually thought that the same thing about two hours ago It'd yeah be cool to just kind of like just throw around who are they you know what i mean around yeah, nine like uh, slight slightly realistic 24, I mean, that's just crazy. Let's just imagine the 18 ones in Liga Mekis are available and just add six. <laughs> would be fun because like, like one through like seven, you're like, okay, all right, all right, all right. And like around like 19, you're like, why am I putting Jurgen Klinsmann in here? Like, <laughs> what is Bob Bradley doing here at number 22? Like, really? Juan Carlos Osorio again? But yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like, sounds like a podcast idea, that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you know, but actually it was interesting because the quote, I think, um, I was just looking at actually, but it said 15 abroad. Mm-hmm. No? 
Oh, I thought it was, so it was 15 phone interviews no, and nine, nine phone. Nine, nine phone. phone. Yeah, and 15 in person, but abroad. Person. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't. So that, that means we missed 15 foreign coaches coming into Mexico to talk with the Mexican Federation? Yeah, oh no, we they, they, the went, they went abroad. Oh, they went abroad. Okay, okay. I mean, at least at least I, this is what I read on ESPN Mexico. So, um, so you know, if, if it's not true, it's Adriana's fault. <laughs> Adriana, you should you should check. You're an editor over there. That's, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to send someone to the airport permanently. <laughs> Just be on the lookout for anyone I, that looks suspicious. I, 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 I'm going to ask you a question, Adriana. Okay, so there are 24 candidates. Is this good news or bad news that we're hearing that there's this many names it's terrible news that means they, they spoke to 24 different coaches and couldn't settle on one yeah <laughs> i mean if they, did, if they if they already found 24 coaches which we, we can't just even imagine 24 names right now if we tried and still just one didn't come up and say hey we just should sh- should sign this guy right about now that means that they're probably their best choice is number 25 which we couldn't even think about like even less <laughs> i i don't know it just worries me that they I, it it sounds like they can't find a, a combination between a good like a good profile and something that fits the project of I don't know Qatar 2022 and then maybe the Mexico World Cup 2026. I I can't believe you could actually be willing to find 24 pe- different people to speak about like getting the Mexican position. It it seems so out of the world. I don't know. Tom, I, I, I can't. No. Okay, sorry. It worries I'm, me. <laughs> I'm 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 not as bothered me. I'm, I mean, twenty-four, Tom. Twenty-four. <laughs> I mean, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're on that list and, you, and you're like, it's my potential let's employer. Let's There's twenty-three people, people in the chat. Try to name twenty-four coaches realistically that could take yes. a Mexican national team. Yes, I would love that. Go in the chat right now. Try to yeah. try to try yeah, to create chat, a list of twenty-four. Try to put twenty-four names, like realistically. <laughs> we'll read them out loud. I think. I think that. Um, you know, I think Ferretti has been the one that they really wanted. Um, but I also I think there's two factors. I think there's that, and I think the other one, and you know, Kiro, Carlos Quiros as well. One of the first names to come out. He's just he's just signed mm-hmm. for Iran again, so he's kind of now out the thing. So it's entirely it's entirely possible that they were negotiating, and he's now said, you know, I'm staying with Iran. But um, but yeah, I don't I'm not I don't have a big problem with them. You know, going seeing what's out there, having a chat. But I think the reason behind that they liked Osorio. So I think we have to keep in mind these guys wanted to renew Osorio's contract, which for me signifies that they the they're willing to really think outside the box because when Osorio came in, everyone was like, "What's going on here? How, what's what's happening?" And I think I think it's it's a similar thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Independiente's Ariel Olan is is on that list and they've spoken and they've gone to Argentina and spoke to him. And there's two or three, you know, managers in the Argentine league that they that they've chatted to, you know, maybe Marcelo Gallardo. Um I mean, you know, the reasonable names that if they can be kind of pried away from from where they're at, wouldn't for me wouldn't would be would be good options. Um so yeah, I mean obviously it depends who they are, you know. <laughs> I mean yeah. it depends how realistic they are because I don't know. Yeah. But um Bruce Serena. Chalice is unemployed. Well, yeah, I, I always thought he would be like the funnest choice available. Like, I, we, yeah. like just give him like the, the U15 team or something like that. Everyone will watch him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was um, it was hilarious how much he really didn't like Osorio. <laughs> you know, there are people who are like, yeah, I'm not really a fan. Yeah. Don't put, you know, I'm not a fan of the rotations. He was like, I don't even. 
<laughs> so angry about it. it so I have, I have a question for both of you. So, I mean, the 24 candidates, whether you think it's good or bad, I mean, if you're the FF, what, I mean, it's kind of a strange question, but what ideal traits do you think they're looking for in a manager for Mexico? I mean, there, you could say that it, maybe it's something with a long-term project in mind. They're looking towards 2026. Are they looking for someone who can help with the transition of the of the current generation? I don't know. Tom, look like yeah, you're about to say something. I, yeah, or Adriana, Adriana, sorry. Yeah, I, I thought I think that's the most important thing. I just I, I'm not sure about this, but I think the federation should actually focus more on the 2026 process rather than the 2022. I think four years just won't be enough to get all those young players, all those Lainez and Marcel Ruiz and everybody just ready for the 2022. I think they should actually look for someone that's willing to go the eight years. And finding someone that's willing to take all those eight years, knowing that there's a World Cup in between, you, you might do well. I don't know. You just might make it to the fourth, the cuarto partido just one more time. Um, and you should be okay with that. But still, I think the most difficult thing is finding someone that's willing to deal with all, all the, um, all the presidents, all the owners, all the marketing that's behind the federation, all those other pressures besides what's like what happens on the field. But mostly, I think they should focus on someone that's willing to go on, like the long run and just focus on all those young players because that generational change has to happen. Otherwise, it will just have to be like we'll have to sacrifice like a year or two of actually ha- seeing good like results. Yeah, Tom, it looks like are you trying to write down twenty four? <laughs> of course, we are. You're, you're writing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let, let me let me let me read off some some of the stuff that people have said in the chat. Adrian Odonia says Jose Mourinho when he gets fired from United. <laughs> Someone uh, you said you just waiting for Mourinho. Yeah. That's what's going on here. <laughs> uh, an account named Professional Soccer. That's a strange account name. Said Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, Leo Serda says Hugo Sanchez. And then my favorite, Vinny Kick says they interviewed my tío. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think they've got, I think the kind of, I basically think they've put together a, a list of kind of boxes to um to check as you, as you say in the united states um mm. so yeah i mean i think experience in mexico is one of them and then by the way i, I think this is the problem i don't think they found too many that that, that kind of tick them all mm-hmm. uh, that check them all um experience in mexico um experience with a national team going through a process with them um experience in the concaf region you know, World Cup qualifying, I think, is a plus. I think the playing style is important. I think they want to play a, a, attacking, attractive football, but there has to be some kind of balance. Um, and, and I think I think the others will be kind of a, somebody who's kind of progressive and obviously experienced enough with the media and, and has some idea about. You know, you can't have someone just wandering into to this to what to this Mexico, where, you know, without any kind of previous experience. It's really difficult. Um, you know, but. I don't know. There's loads of names. I mean, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they haven't spoke to Diego Alonso at Monterrey. Because, mm-hmm. he, you know, he knows Mexico. He's worked with the younger players. He's, you know, I'm not saying he's ideal either. I mean, someone like Caixinha, I mean, for me, he actually checked quite a lot of the boxes. Although, you know, again, not all of them and not everybody's going to be in agreement with that. But, you know, mm-hmm. Miguel Herrera. I mean, there's there's a lot. You can just go through the names and um, obviously the foreign one's a bit more difficult, but... Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, San Paoli, I'm sure, Mateus Almeida. I mean, Almeida's got a lot of those as well. San Paoli and Almeida tick, check a lot of those boxes. I mean, if you look at if you look at kind of San Paoli, an experience in Mexico, no. Going through a process with a national team, 
yeah, and he's been successful. Um, experience in the region, no, but you know he's managed in kind of Peru, um, Chile. So you know he's got he's got some idea of of you know Latin American football playing style, very attractive. Um, and yeah, has he dealt with a lot of pressure before? Well, he has, but <laughs> perhaps not so well with Argentina. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I mean, there's ups and downs, but I mean, I mean, I, I would say that San Paulo isn't far away from what they're mm-hmm. looking for. I would also say that Almeida isn't shouldn't be ruled out either. Yeah. Adriana, your final thoughts on whether it be the traits you're looking for for a manager for Mexico, if you actually have a list of 24 or anything, you actually have a list. No, right? I made, I made, I, I made 15. I, I can only make it to 15. All right, let, let's let's hear let's to wrap things up on this uh, little segment on three. Let, let's hear who the fifteen are. I have Tuca, Almeida, Queiroz, Gallardo, Bielsa. I just put Klinsman because you just guys mentioned it. Um, I've heard about <laughs> Raikard, Busetich, Peckerman, Martino, Caixinha, Alonso, Herrera, Sampaoli, and I even put Gustavo Matosas in there. Yeah, all all realistic answers. <laughs> but of course, once he gets like number nineteen or twenty, that's probably when things start getting really weird there. Well, <laughs> and that was. Yeah, which, which ones do you use that, Tom? I didn't. I wasn't writing them to be honest. But I mean, yeah, I think those <laughs> ones. Um, I think a couple of Argentines, like I said, Gallardo and Ariel Holan. Because let's not forget, they did pluck somebody from South America last time. So mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. they, they are scouting that market, and I think a lot of the time it's easier to get someone like that than, than someone over from Europe. Um, I think I think is a I think is a difficult sell to be honest. Um, you know, for, for somebody based in Europe, but. Um, Kike Sanchez Flores, I think he's you know he's free, he's Spanish, he's you know he's done reasonably well in the Liga, speaks the language. Oh yeah, speak, speaking Spanish, I think is another is another one of the records. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, yeah, but, but you've got um, a couple of the old Dutch guys as well. Can't remember. I think De Boer, uh, maybe one of the De Boer, or he might have gone to Turkey now. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, yeah, the um, yeah I'm sure they've spread you know cast the net really wide and. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it uh, how it pans out. But you know, I think I, I'm not too bothered about them doing this because I think it's really important they get it right. My my concern is that you know that they do all this and that it's just there isn't anybody perfect. And I think that's that's the reality of it. Um, yeah. I think I actually think that that Osorio was 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 nearer than nearer than than perhaps any of the other candidates. And I know people will be go crazy at that comment but he, he, he'd already been there for four years he'd already done World Cup qualifying he already knew the press you know he already knew how the, the next generation now it works so um, I think that that kind of that's why the Federation was so desperate to keep him yeah alright so we got a, a few minutes left here on the show maybe closer to like seven or eight minutes let's um, really quickly let's talk about the Mexicans abroad we have to talk about the Champions League even though it felt like it was such a long time ago with all the soccer news we've heard about Mexico over the last few days, it's kind of crazy to think that that one of the biggest games of the season uh, for Chucky Lozano was happening last week. Uh, Adriana, it was a 4 nothing loss for PSV by Barcelona, but I don't know how you feel about it, but despite the one-side loss, I still feel somewhat all right with the result because of the experience for Lozano and Gutierrez. Yeah, I was happy to see them. Um, yeah, I was actually thinking how he had Gutierrez like a, like a week before. He was about to play a cup game. I think it was in Torreón. And all of a sudden, you're in Camp Nou facing Barcelona. So that was just like a weird... Slight, we slight upgrade. Slight upgrade. Yes, just slight. Barely noticeable. <laughs> um, I was kind of happy to see the, the one nil because I thought that the game was pretty... Um, 
pretty um, even on, until that point. I was I was I wasn't happy to see the four zero. I thought maybe a two zero would have been awesome. I thought PSV was doing actually pretty well, um, seeing that they were facing Barcelona at Camp Nou. Um, Chucky, if I don't, if I remember correctly, I think he actually had a ga- uh, a goal um, ruled offside, didn't he? Yeah, it was offside. He scored, but it yeah. was it was it was a correct call too. It was it was, it was yeah. offside. Yeah, it was correct. It was a correct call. So I was glad to see them um, just make their debut. I I think I would have liked not a, as a large score as it was a four zero. I thought I think a two zero would have been awesome, but still I think they did pretty well. And just knowing the fact that whatever um, minutes uh, Chucky and Guti can get at, out of the Champions League, they just have to make their like. Their presence, no one see other teams look at them and try to make a career in, in Europe, despite whatever PSV can actually do in the group stage. Yeah, I think because of their age, because of the opposition, because it was their debut in the group stage of the Champions League for Kutiers, it was just a UEFA Champions League debut. Uh, I, I think I was pretty happy with them. I, I think Lozano, he looked a little slightly off, maybe just looked like uh, he was a little bit desperate with his, with his couple of shots, but he did help... Uh, uh, Umtiti from uh, from Barcelona. He uh, he created a red for him after he fouled uh, Lozano. I thought Gutierrez was good with his passing late into the in the second half when he stepped on. And as opposed to like an Herrera or Tecatito, who I was really disappointed by, even though they got a one to one away draw. I think uh, I'm willing to give a lot more leeway for Lozano and Gutierrez just because once again their their age, the opponents, their Champions League group, the group stage debut. Probably yeah. one of the toughest groups as well. So just whatever minutes yeah. they can get and whatever they can actually do for their team, despite the result, I think will be really good for them. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you can't buy that you know, that experience. You know what I mean? If playing against Barcelona in the in the new camp, I mean. Although yeah. actually, having some a complete tangent, didn't some like uh, a country from like the Middle East? They actually like sold, they like sold like certain players to La Liga clubs, and then they ended up not using them. There's like some federation. I don't know. Whatever. There's a complete tangent. <laughs> Some football <laughs> manager. Yeah, this isn't. No, anywho, Tom, continue. I'm gonna look this up. I'm gonna po- I'm gonna post it later. Anywho, continue, Tom. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. He's doing well. <laughs> I mean, what, what can you say about Lozano? I mean, he's doing yeah. well. It's it's difficult when your team doesn't really have much of the ball, and you know, like you know, he's dangerous. And I think the thing with Lozano now is we're just I'm just waiting. He's doing it week in week out. He's doing everything everything he should be doing. He needs to be doing. I think he's improving as well. I think he looks happy can tell that his teammates like him um you know he's got Gutierrez there now and, and I like what PSV are doing with what Van Bommel's doing with um with with Gutierrez and just gradually easing him in there and you know pretty confident that Gutierrez is also you know going to be a successor so um so yeah no but the, this experience in the Champions League is is what it's all about um the only thing I would say is that hopefully in the future games Lozano hopefully has a big big game you know mm-hmm. In the headlines, you score a couple of goals, and you know, ideally, get a result for your team. And you know, to, just to just to reinforce the idea that the really big European clubs should should be looking at him because I do think he's the there aren't too many players of his type. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, Dembele scored that ridiculous goal. You know, but there's not too many that that that, uh, that play on the wing like that. And I don't know, one v one. All you all you need to do is get him one v one, and and. A, good, a high percentage of the time, they're going to do something good for you. And I think mm-hmm. that, that's what Lozano is. Yeah, 100%. Adriana, your thoughts on the one-to-one away draw for Porto? I mean, it's just... Uh, I mean, I was really disappointed by Herrera. Tecatito, I mean, just he just seems to be a little off form. I mean, they got the one-to-one away draw, but I mean... 
Yeah, I, I think I think, but this has been like a constant. I think for Porto now. I think ever since, um, for some reason, ever since Layun left, even when Gudinho was there, he obviously didn't play with the rest of them. But somehow we've seen Porto come into like this situation where Mexicans just don't shine as much as they used to, despite having Herrera. I think he celebrated what was it like two hundred games or something with with Porto. Yeah, yeah. I think it was his team. Yeah, and then yeah. he's a captain as well. But you just don't see them being um, like this star role with the team anymore. It just seems that. They'll do like what's expected of them, but nothing more. So, um, yeah. So I kind of I think we worry more about their situation, seeing as though that these are players that we think will make it a couple more years into the Mexican national team, and just not seeing them shine as much as they used to in the in the Portuguese league, and obviously now in the Champions League. Um, I, I don't know. It's kind of worrisome as well. Yeah. No. Agree. Tom, it sounds like you're about to say something there. No. I just. I just. I think we can. I think there's a difference between. Um, you know. Uh, Herrera and Tecatito. I mean, I do think Herrera is absolutely 100% established. And, yeah, sure. You know, sure. He's have good games, going to have bad games, you know, and, and I think that's fine. I think he's a very, very good player. He's shown it, you know, at the World Cup. The last two World Cups, he's arguably been Mexico's best player or, you know, top three. Um, we know he can do it. You know, personally, I would have liked to see him move on and, and you know, try himself, test himself. You know, in a different league, but I'm I'm not concerned. I think Herrera is going to be absolutely central to Qatar 2022. Um, with all the experience he brings, I think he's going to be one of those older players that can pin this new side together. Um, but but Tecatito, I mean, I've said it a load of times before, right here. I mean, he's just he needs to be impact in these games. Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah, he's lost. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly kind of what's happened to. Him. I mean. You know, one goal in five games again this season. I don't know. It's... He doesn't have. He doesn't hasn't had a start so far in the regular season. I think he's only started in one domestic uh, like cup match, if I remember correctly. I don't know. I don't know what's happened to him. I know the off-field stuff, but um, I don't know why his development is kind of just. It's just kind of leveled out, or even gone downhill. To be honest, yeah. You know, because I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. When I watch him play, I don't even get the same. You know that sensation that you got with Tecatito a couple of years ago or a few years ago. Now, when he got the ball and you're like, oh, this this kid's going to make something happen. Like, you know, bring him off the bench if he was on the bench. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this kid this kid deserves his place. You know, he deserves his chance to establish himself. And now it's kind of, if you're the Porto manager, you know, and you've got the likes of Brahimi and, and Marega, um, you know, and those kind, of, those kind of players, you kind of, kind of think, well, you know, maybe... Tecatito right now in the form he's in, he's, he's just a bench player for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's hard to make the, the, the argument right now that he should be the starter. I mean, I think that is the concerning thing. It's not kind of un, he's not there and it's kind of not fair. You know, he's not there because he's not doing it. And, and that's kind of concerning. Yeah. So really quickly, just to go over the Europa League uh, scores, we had Standard Liege and Ochoa. They lost to Sevilla 5-1. to one. Uh, Villarreal got a 2-2 draw against Rangers. All these games are on Thursday. Um, Layun was on the bench for Villarreal. Fernabasha and Diego Reyes lost 4-1 against Dynamo Zagreb. Uh, Real Betis and Guardado, they got a 0-0 away draw against Olympiacos. That was definitely a match which Real Betis had a, had a significant amount of possession. I think Guardado had 100-plus <laughs> passes uh, in that game. Uh, Adriana, any any thoughts on any of the Europa League matches uh, before we uh, close out uh, today's show? Well, I can't say I was surprised by uh, Memochoa's game against um, 
with Standard Leach against Sevilla. Sevilla, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think we were all joking about before, like, how many goals is he going to concede? Because, um, obviously, I don't think you can compare Sevilla to Standard Leach too much. Um, still, kind of painful. Yeah, it was actually five. I was going for three, and that was kind of optimistic. But still, I think he's doing pretty well in the league, so um, hopefully he'll get a lot better results for the rest of the European League. Yeah, it reminded me a lot. I was like, I was like, oh man, this is a Jostio like all over again. It's like this defense, <laughs> this defense is just like embarrassing. It was really embarrassing. Yeah. I even like, I think like if you if you go watch the goals, I'm gonna say he could have done better for maybe one to two of them, but that might even be a little too harsh. Might even be he he could have yeah. done better for maybe one of the goals. But yeah, that defense was just uh, abysmal there. Uh, for yeah, there's just so much you can do like with that defense. Yeah, yeah, and then looking towards the recent weekend, uh, Chucky. Uh, scored for PSV in the huge 3 nothing win over Ajax. Jimenez got an assist for Wolves in their draw against Manchester United. Against it was a, Manchester. Yeah, that was a that pretty was impressive big. result yeah. there. And Guardado had an assist for Betis in the 2-2 draw against Bilbao. There's some of the results that stood out to me. Tom, any thoughts on the Mexicans abroad uh, over the weekend? Well, Lozano, Jimenez, Guardado, Antonio Briseño <laughs> over, over there, him doing well. Yeah, I was watching that Amazon Prime thing the other day. It's quite good, isn't it? Uh, you know, on uh, La Liga. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't, I haven't seen that one. There, so there's, there's the, that one and the Man City. They're, those are both on Prime, right? Yeah, they're both. You get, yeah. you can um, segment sponsored by Amazon, but um, you can. I think you get a week, a week <laughs> trial, and that's enough to watch both of them. So. I'm, a, I'm a I'm a weirdo hippie who doesn't I'm not supposed to like Amazon because I really like independent bookstores so we don't we don't use Amazon over here I really should if, <laughs> just watching those series though just don't tell any of my friends the bookstore purposes. world yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway Tommy ta- ta- you were saying who cares about, a- <laughs> about that yeah no it's good though it's good and you get an insight into Guardado and, and I don't know I don't know for, for young players as well it's quite interesting to see his kind of mentality and how he you know, as a Mexican player, integrates with the squad and stuff. It's, um, you know, it's, it's it's quite funny. But um, but yeah, no, that that um, and Raúl Jiménez, I think is, you know, I think that's maybe the story of the season so far. Yeah, from, from Mexicans abroad. Um, I'm rooting for a Wolves to actually buy him at the end of the season. I, I just yeah. want him to stay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, he seems like the the Wolves fans like him. Um, you know, he's, he's got the assist. They're picking up. They're doing. They're getting really good press in England. And they they just got a draw at Old Trafford. I mean, you know, this is this is something really positive. And you know, I'm really happy for Raúl Jiménez because I did. I had, you know, I, I did criticize criticize him a lot at Benfica. And I questioned whether he actually had it because, you know, he'd been to Atletico Madrid, he'd been to Benfica and never made it as a starter. And I questioned whether he could go to the could go to the Premier League and, and do it because it's a big step up from Portugal to the Premier League and, and to start as well, I think is is massive. It's it's really it's been really important for him and I'm sure that Mexico is if he if he carries on starting, I think Mexico are gonna reap the rewards. Yeah, 100%. And also, uh, shout out to him, too. Like, I think another example of him just really giving it his all. Like, you see him, yeah. too, just doing his best to, like, give interviews in English. And it's clear he's mm-hmm. struggling with that English, but he's but he's trying, and he's learning, and it's just, it's I, it's really impressive to see how excited he is by this project, and I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes uh, yeah. going forward. And yeah, like, like Alan said, it's, I mean, I assume all signs point to Wolves buying him because he's been pretty important to them so far this season, but he's mm. still on loan. So I, I would be pretty surprised if they if they were to not buy him. Yeah, and just quickly, I'm quite excited by having a kind of number nine Jimenez. 
and then Lozano on the wing. Yep. You know, because Jimenez is good at dropping back. He's good at making space for others. You know, he's working so hard, you know, for Wolves. Um, and he gives you a bit of an aerial option. And, and, you know, as opposed to Chicharito, who's more of a, you know, more of a goal scorer. I think the Jimenez option with Lozano on one side, all of a sudden with Chicharito, he's obviously ill right now. But, you know, he's in a bit of a difficult situation with West Ham. It doesn't look like he's going to be a starter anytime soon. Um, and he's the wrong side of 30 now. So, um for the first time, really, because you know Chicharito's been there, done it all. I think I, th- I think a lot of people disrespect him when they shouldn't, but um, I think he managed with what he's doing at Wolves is now, for the first time in my mind, anyway, kind of challenging for that for that number nine spot. I mean, people were, were laughing at me when I was saying during the summer that that Raúl Jiménez is going to start for Mexico in the 2019 Gold Cup. But I mean, it, it could actually happen. So we'll see uh, what happens That's during the day. sense, actually. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Who's the winger now? What was that? Who's the other winger now? Who's I'm the other winger? Vela would be out. It would have to. It would have to be. It would have to be Vela right now. I mean, if if we had a match tomorrow, you would definitely put him there. I mean, after yeah, yeah line is so you've got um, you've got kind Ooh, of. Uh, nice. Alvarado as well, no? Yeah, I think Alvarado... You could even do a thing, too, which, I mean, just... Chucky, he could play on the left or right wing. You could do a thing where Alvarado is on the left wing if he's a little bit more comfortable with that. And then you have uh, Lozano on the right wing. Then you have Jimenez up top. Yeah, we'll see what... It's only the Gold Cup. Elias Hernandez doesn't sound bad either. That's true. I just, I'm just, I'm just still not that convinced by Elias for Mexico. He's such a good player, but just for Mexico, I just don't know what to, to make of him. Uh, Tom, we got it. We got it. We're, we're a little over, but I think we still got to sneak in time for just a couple more minutes on one more thing. I know no one cares about the Copa Mekis, but uh, Tom, there's a certain figure who might be uh, taking taking part. He's on, he's going to be on the sidelines. Some sort of historic uh, soccer figure there. Good old Elias Diego Maradona, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. <laughs> Yeah, no, Carretero against against Dorado, Dorados de Sinaloa on Wednesday. Um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting. First time that Maradona's team's going against up against the Liga MX side. Um, you know, let's see what, what kind of reaction that he gets in Carretero. And I don't know, like we were saying before, no. I mean, imagine imagine if he does, if he does get... Uh, I mean, for me, if he can play in the Azteca, just imagine Maradona <laughs> going back to the Azteca. The scene no, of his for Dorados. Yeah, 100% rooting for Dorados. I am, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, winning the World Cup, lifting the World Cup for Argentina in 86. <laughs> beating, beating England with a handball and an amazing goal. And then beating, and then, like, I don't know. It would have to be America, but let's just imagine it, imagine it would be like Juarez or something. Yeah, Ju- Juarez or something like that. <laughs> Juarez Dorados. That's to be the Azteca. Imagine all the stories. It would yeah. be absolutely amazing, no? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm actually looking at what they have to do if, to actually play at the Azteca. Um, yeah, they have, they have to make it to the final. It's just to be because they're on different sides, like of the qualifiers. But they could, they could yeah. face. That's the point. They could they face could, Monterrey they could play or Monterrey. Tigres. Yeah, Monterrey or Tigres yeah. on the same side, right? Yeah, so they could face if they make it through against Querétaro, they could face Monterrey if Monterrey beats Acatepec, which is a possibility. Um, and then if that happens, they could face Tigres in the semifinals. Oh my God, we're looking at this way. Like, <laughs> oh, um, happening. Tuca versus yeah. Maradona. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Oh so okay, we're all rooting for Dorados. Um, by the way, they played Oaxaca this weekend, lost one nil. 
and stadium was I think it was like fifty three percent full. So I have somehow people are just as excited as, to see Maradona as we thought. So oh. let's see what happens. Get it done. Well, we're excited. <laughs> <I'm> excited. <laughs> all, right, all right. So I think that uh, that about wraps things up. Now that we've uh, started talking about Maradona and the Copa Mekki, so I feel like uh, that's how we should end things. But uh, Adriana, we'll let you uh, let you close out today's uh, episode. Uh, whether it be about Maradona, Liga Mekki, Mexicans abroad, <laughs> whether whatever, whatever. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Um, hopefully they'll have a, the, the final list is coming up next week and let's just see how they do against the U.S. which is obviously the toughest game they'll have in the entire competition yeah and obviously so much news too I mean I can't believe that sneaking one more thing that just the last 30 seconds here that we also have Chivas versus uh, America this weekend Glasgow Nasty now I mean it's just so much that's going on in Mexican soccer but obviously keep an eye on that clear the biggest game of the season uh, in Mexican soccer. So something to keep it on right there. Uh, oh, okay. I'm going to do one more thing. Sc- scoreline <laughs> prediction. Tom, Clasico Nacional. Clasico Nacional. 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Adriana. This is painful because I'm a Chivas fan, but I think America will win 2-1. I'll, I'll go with the, I'll go with an exciting two to two. So let's see what happens. Uh, Tom, Adriana, thanks so much uh, for joining me in today's uh, Mexican Soccer Show. Thank you to everyone on the chat. Thank you to everyone who's listening to this on iTunes or wherever on Pocket Cast. Uh, anything else? Uh, whether you're listening on Monday night, or whether you're listening on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, whatever. But until next time, we'll see you on the next edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. Have a good night, guys. <laughs>